curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Voodoo Justice Magic, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, vinyl production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to this show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Manuela Storzer, and she has a book called Headless Chicken. Welcome back. Thank you. How have you been? What's that? How have you been? I'm fine over here. So, um, before we get started, um, just for my listeners who haven't listened to our previous episode, can you give them a little idea about um, your book and what it contains and how you wrote it? Um, the book. I spent three months in the Amazon in 2015. Uh, it came out pretty spontaneously. I found out these people who host this resort in the middle of nowhere near Iquitos, and there were shamans working with ayahuasca, looking for somebody to interpret. And since I've been working as a coach since 20 years, I found this quite interesting. So I figured that's me, and two weeks later I went there. I did not plan to do ayahuasca myself, but at the end, I did 19 ceremonies and I took little notes as far as I could after the ceremony. And again, two years later or so, I decided I got to write it down so it doesn't get lost. And when I started writing it down, my memories from my little notes, I realized I should write it in such a way that other people can understand too. So... I wrote also the background stories and at the end it is um, showing a little bit how we create our reality in our minds and the different layers uh, of healing and things like that childhood trauma yeah that's how that's what it is about hmm so like when you did these ceremonies, like, and after you returned, like, what was different about how you felt? Like, what changed in you as a result of those ceremonies? Oh, that's a good question. Because uh, many people uh, came to me afterwards and said, oh, "I want to do ayahuasca, kind of give me the pill, and it's gonna be all fine." <laughs> the only thing that really changed was. The insight, I saw things, I felt things. Uh, for instance, the very first ceremony I saw, let's say duality. First I saw all this beautiful 
never-ending creativity in a hundred thousand shapes evolving and I was in total awe and then I moved my head a little and all of a sudden it was all, all dark and shit and ugly and I realized uh-huh depending on how I look onto this it it changes the shape the form the color everything and I realized wow it's all made out of the same stuff so that was very, very clear to me. It's all made out of the same stuff, like behind everything there's energy and depending how you look at it, how you interpret it, what filters you look through, you can call it good, you can call it bad, you can call it pretty, you can call it ugly. So what changed for me uh, in the everyday's life, I think nothing changes unless you keep doing the homework, which is kind of staying mindful and aware. Because uh, the program, the program's still there. It's not that the ego is, uh, and the, the ego programs are kind of blast out or something. They're still there, but you know it's that. Hmm. So it sounds like it broadened your perspective on yourself and on reality. Yeah, I know I've had my own experiences, not necessarily with ayahuasca, but you know, experiences where I've been able to step out of myself and see myself from a different perspective and view reality from a different perspective and had that realization that everything is basically oneness. Um, how do you use that to navigate everyday life? How I use that... Well, uh, to be honest with you, I have been experimenting since a long time, if that is really true, what I believe uh, is true. So I have been, uh, ever since my kids moved out, I've been experimenting. Uh, is it really true that I don't have to, whatever, work hard or fulfill some kind of ideas in order to, you know... Um, I've been experimenting. I've been throwing myself in the cold water regularly just to figure out if this is really true because I could afford it. I wouldn't die right away. Um, so in everyday life, I felt, I felt um, confirmed. Something that I thought or I felt was true, now I saw it. And, and I could uh, feel it in my system. It's not just uh, an idea. Mm. Yeah. That's, but uh, again, in the everyday life, nothing changes unless you change your habits. That's how I see it. Interesting. Does it, did it affect how you react to situations and people, like external world? Like, I know for me, you know, when I look at things from a broader perspective, I'm less reactive. To things i'm just like okay this is just a part of the universe which is a part of me and this is just how it has to play out because it's another probability do you have that type same type of perspective on it or is it different um to i've never been very re, oh, i haven't been so reactive anyway in the first place uh, i'm a very let's say by nature or let's say by nature, in terms of also by my upgrowing, what I went through as a child, I had quite some stuff going on as a child, like I write about it in the book. 
that made me a compassionate person. For me, it was important to understand what other people feel for my survival, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I've always been compassionate. I've, I haven't been uh, reactive. Uh, I've never been big reactive. I've always been kind of understanding in terms of, wow, what makes this person do this and that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I come from there by my upbringing. And also, let's say uh, another thing that uh, became very clear to me was what we consider as unbearable drama or trauma. Um, there's always a good side to it. A good side in terms of, had I not lived this or that experience, I wouldn't have become the person I am with this understanding and with these abilities. For instance, to be a, a compassionate coach for other people, which wasn't the plan in the first place, just happened. I never thought... Uh, and anything in my life, I never really planned mm-hmm. those yeah. things. They just happened. Yeah, I, I relate to that. Um, so, how do you like <clears throat> being, you know, sort of like being like non-reactive to begin with when you're coaching other people and you see people or, or working with people that are constantly dealing with life in a reactive way, like they're completely engaged, they're not able to separate themselves from other people and from material existence how do you help those people kind of break away from that and get help them get a broader perspective on themselves um i remember the very first years like uh, in the year 2000 when i first started i remember i could feel them i could understand them i could understand their program i felt their heart uh, and it was so hard to to, uh, how do you break through these programs, right? It's shell. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was frustrating. But today, the, the first thing I do is I understand how it got there. I understand how this uh, reactive, how do you say, reactivism? No. Reaction. Reactiveness? <laughs> yeah. Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, how this got there, this boom, like uh, you have to be quick, you have to protect or whatever. And um, I work a lot with uh, compassion for yourself to start out with. Like uh, the most, one of, I realize that it's just a natural consequence to become, to have this or that reaction to things. If you come from here or there, it's a natural thing. And at the time, it served a purpose, mm-hmm. but now it doesn't serve a purpose anymore. Right. And that's one of the things, I, I, I mean, I've experienced that too, like where, you know, the defense mechanisms and walls that I built as a kid to protect myself from some of the traumas that I experienced really became harmful to myself. But tearing those things down and, and breaking those habits have been really, really difficult. Um how, how do you p- help people deal with that? Well, uh, some things are really, really difficult for me today, too. I'm just the same, right? Mm-hmm. What I do is 
I try to make, let's say, appetite to become curious, more curious than fearful. Let's say curious in terms of, wow, wow, how can this be? What's behind that? What's behind that fear? Or, for, for instance, I have quite a few people with uh, panic attacks, anxiety, younger people, um, and uh, we just explore together. And it's very clear that this is a natural process for things to happen that way due to some uh, good reason. And uh, sometimes it's really magical. Like uh, sometimes things dissolve like... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've experienced that also, too. I'm sorry? I've, I've experienced that also where like certain things just have gone away for me, which is interesting. And uh, yeah, and, and people kind of uh, miss that in terms of where is it gone, and uh, because I think the big issue is, or the big uh, trouble, or what what brings us in trouble is that we identify with those things. We think this is me. I'm the panic girl, I'm the this, I'm the dead, without uh, realizing there's some energy flowing and there's a certain mechanism and this how is it, how it is evolving. Interesting. Um, is there any, in your time in the Amazon, is there any difference um, culturally on how they deal with things versus how we deal with things? Totally, totally. Funny enough, I'm still in contact with one of the shamans. He calls me like every month at least. We don't really talk much. <laughs> it's just a, a phone call. Tipo, mm-hmm. how are you, sister? <laughs> um, we're still in touch. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, it's not about uh, exchanging information. It's just about... Uh, being a moment there together, smiling at each other, yeah, what's up? <laughs> so the cultural difference, huge, obviously huge cultural difference. Um, for instance, I remember there was, was a couple, um, they wanted children, blah, 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 blah. And then she had a, she had a, a ceremony seeing something happen, which was, kind of a separation and he had a ceremony and he saw uh, another girl coming and he would be happy with this other girl and stuff like that and the shaman said you only 50% is true you do not know which 50% is true mm-hmm. which serves nothing right right but that's uh, exactly what it is uh, it's here and they are the same but there they take it easier they can accept it easier. This uh, we don't know if this is true or that is true. And, and uh, in the Western world, we want proof, evidence, um, nail it down, make it fixed. Um, over there, they just have totally different um, priorities in life. Over there, it's still about feeding your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes a huge difference I was, uh, uh, how they do anything. I spent uh, later on some time in Central America as well, 
for seven months and uh, wow it's a different story it's about you do anything it takes in order to get food and that's nothing to do with ayahuasca but uh, people are more much more easy going but also Can be more cruel, more, more animalistic, let's say, because it's it's mm -hmm. different situations. Which one do you think is more natural? You think what is more natural? Yeah, like what's more natural—the way we live, where we're striving for things that we don't even need, or like people in the Amazon that are striving just for the basics, like food. Well, I can tell you exactly what I feel about that. I always have a craving to go back to simplicity. I want the simplicity, the simple stuff. I'm sick and tired of all this consume, consume, running behind uh, dreams and ideas. I'm now writing song lyrics to get it out. <laughs> um, this uh, shocking um, realization that we are running behind the wrong values, or at least it looks like. Right and making ourselves sick with uh, with that stress, uh, but I would not say that it's better there because for me, for instance, for me it's all about growing and evolving as a human being. That's that's all it is for me about growing and evolving. And when I say learning, growing, evolving, learning. Um, experiencing it's not about acquiring information and storing it in your heart drive it's about evolving as a human being the way you tick and the way you feel and the way you act in the world so what is that like what is evolving as a human being basically put love and compassion first without becoming a, a spooky spirit or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard thing to do in a world where we're programmed with consumerism. I can't hear you well. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> That's a hard thing to do in a world where we're programmed with nothing but consumerism. Right. So, um, working with people as a coach, for instance, um, it's all about meets, not match, realizing your own needs uh, and your gifts, no? But uh, all, this, all these things are so much made into business nowadays. Everything is a business. And if you want to be successful, you better make six numbers, six figures. And, oh. and uh, as soon as I put the numbers or the figures, uh, in my uh, screen, let's say, it cuts the flow totally. Cuts the flow. For me, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't work like this anymore. I, uh, I get my client through word of mouth. And I am... Uh, whenever I meet somebody, I clean out everything I know first and start from zero, like empty. And then there is um, a, a real meeting. It's as if you would, let's say, as if you look with a heart 
or with the third eye instead of with filtering all the information that you perceive from this person through uh, your personal filters and knowledge and stuff. Yeah. So, so, you, so you're starting from a, 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 this clean perspective without all that prejudgment. Right, yes. For instance, it happens often somebody calls and, uh, and I listen and aha, uh -huh, mm -hmm, and I have a little bit of an idea and then before we meet, I need to empty it all out again to make sure to really be present there and not get stuck in some prejudice or yeah how do you do that how, how do you turn that off how basically uh, I'm not a master in meditation but I guess it's meditation <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, I, I just uh, really let every thought go and be empty yeah hmm. yeah empty and for me too uh, it's I, uh, I have conditioned myself to be more curious. Like, and this is what, what I need to be happy in life as well, me personally, mm -hmm. because uh, it's horrible if you wake up in the morning and you have already set up the whole day and you just check boxes. And this is not just the day, this is the month and the year and the next year. No, it doesn't work like that for me. So that uh, curiosity helps to be more present. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I think about is um, people that just sort of go through life doing their routine but never being curious about what else could possibly happen, you know. And the other thing is like overfilling it. Like, like if you fill your life too much, then there's no room for that curiosity. There's no opening for the, all those other experiences to come through. Um, do you ever deal with those type of situations with your clients? Uh, this, with my clients, well, uh, most of my clients uh, have a, a pretty stiff uh, routine, daily routine. They do the things to do the things they always did. Um, and we slowly, slowly um, make space, really, realize that 90% of this stiffness is in the mind. And it is possible to go for a walk during lunch break. That was, by the way, a title of a speech, my very first speech I gave, and that's how I became a coach. <laughs> Walking during lunch break. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and uh, I in my own life, I have experienced many times things I could not have imagined in my mind. Really, I could not have imagined. I couldn't have put this out as a goal to or a wish to go for, and bing, all of a sudden uh, things happen. But uh, again, uh, all these highs came with lows as well. Right. It hasn't been like, I've had periods of, uh, let's see, big time harmony. But it can become very 
boring for the thinking mind mm -hmm. <laughs> when everything is super harmonious and nothing much is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. How and, about uh, how about during the low times? How about what? Sorry? Like when, when when somebody's feeling when you're going through those lower times, do you have a desire to? You know, want to pull yourself up and just sort of stay during the, in that high rather than a low. Um, if I have a low time, I have a hard time to cope with lows. However, again, it it feels uh, threatening. Yeah. To uh, to be low, it uh, may it be my family history, may it be general human conditioning. Um. However, I am very keen on not pushing it away and exploring it to the fullest, being totally curious, because I've made the experience, if I don't, it just comes back the same and, and, and you feel like the victim of the thing instead of right. just exploring what is. And I realize, oh, oh, that's quite some big energy here, this sadness or this anger or this fear, like, whoa, so much energy is stuck there. Yeah. Right. That's actually something that I deal with a lot is trying to pull myself out of that victim mode of thinking, you know, like, and stop blaming other people and just be like, oh, I'm just having this experience. Well, it's easier said than done, isn't it? <laughs> Much easier said than done. <laughs> I wish it was, I could figure out the easy way to do that. An easy way to do that. For me, it sometimes helps um, with a little trick, let's say, that I, I realize, I do realize that I'm judging this is what happens as bad. Okay? And this is what makes me suffer, mm -hmm. judging it as bad. And I have a little conviction I believe in every pile of shit is a pile of gold, and in every pile of gold is a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me once, and I didn't understand, but later on I got it. And now I'm always looking for the pile of gold in the pile of shit. <laughs> That's an awesome way to think, or an analogy of looking at all of these situations. Right. Um, so... You, you feel like a, a victim, but then I, I do realize, I realize, oh, many times I do realize when I look at things, I realize my reaction to this situation is so much bigger, and more intense, and it feels so much more threatening mm -hmm. than the actual situation is. <laughs> That's insane. So then I realize that some. This, this situation is just triggering some old stuff for me to heal out some old stuff. And, uh, and I can leave it like that. I don't have to dig and analyze. Just kind of um, maybe have faith in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I do a lot is uh, hike in nature. My whole coaching thing is also set up uh, walking in nature over the phone or... or in person so the client goes in nature i go in nature and we talk and we need this or i need this 
natural environment for things to get into the flow and to come up when they are ready. It's just so much easier than just sitting next to each other and exchanging information, mm. you know. So uh, nature helps, definitely, to keep things moving in a smooth way without being totally overwhelmed. We're just uh, going for a, a walk in the woods. So helpful when you have all these emotions coming up. You can kind of digest it, allow it to come up, move your body so the energy can go around. It's because I think uh, one of the biggest problems is that we we have been so trained to sit down and think about stuff, hoping that by thinking more there would come a new solution. But this, the thinking is only based on what we already know, right? There's nothing new coming out of it thinking you can twist it like this and you can twist it like that but the, the real creativity is not coming through thinking it's coming in the break that's why uh, going out in nature is for me essential if you want to really evolve and move on yeah well, on every level you know with, with all the bodies uh, not just the intellectual body, not just the emotional body. It, it, it's, it goes together. You can't separate it. You can't take separate the head from the body. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I, I noticed about myself is I'll be in a situation and I'll become reactive and I'll become defensive. You know, like those things will come up. And then... The next day, I'll, I'll, I'll reevaluate that situation, and I'll be like, "I'm, I'm re just reacting. I, I didn't. I don't need to react. You know, I don't need to do this." And then I kind of get frustrated for myself for, for reacting in the first place, and then I have to go back and, you know, tell the person or whatever, like, "Hey, you know, today I'm seeing things differently." Yeah, um, I am a master in putting myself down. Right. And the only the only way out there is to kind of accept that you're still a human being, I guess. Even though uh, you didn't master it in the first place, and in the second place it uh, it went just like that. That's a bit. It, uh, that's a bit how life works. No, I'm I'm looking at the plants a lot. Um, you don't have to tell a plant what to do. It's kind of like a child. It reacts uh, according to the needs and it learns from the failures. That's it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, sometimes I don't always learn from my failures. Sometimes it's just over and over and over again. And it can be really frustrating. Hmm. Yeah. Then it's about cutting the circle, no? Cutting the habit. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, um, I like to get inspired sometimes also uh, by um, by science, and I love the fact that science is nowadays showing exactly what the old UVs knew five thousand years ago. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Andrew Huberman. I don't know if, if you've heard of that guy. He's a scientist at Stanford, Stanford University. Anyway, uh, he just 
is able to explain things that happen in the body in a way that regular people can understand. And it's so nice to see not only that things work that you've been practicing, but also why they work and that it's acknowledged nowadays. That can be things like meditation, eye movements, uh, many, many things. Uh, uh, simple, simple, simple things. And um, for, for instance, the hormone system, right? Endorphin, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, all these happiness um, hormones. Let's say uh, you take ayahuasca, you have possibly, what do you have? Possibly a little bit of everything as well. But some people have real bad ayahuasca trips like uh, uh, nightmares. I have, coming back to ayahuasca, um, I've had nightmares too, but I didn't experience them at nightmares. Everybody else would have said, this is a nightmare, this is horrible. And I said, wow, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. It just happened like that. But um, when you are in a, uh, in a rut and it's so frustrating, all you need sometimes is one single bit of information or something. That makes you shift, make a tiny shift, and a tiny shift can be good enough to overcome this huge mountain that you've been always boxing against. A tiny thing, it can be a tiny thing. For instance, uh, again, coming back to science, um, there is a, a nice podcast from Andrew Huberman, it's called The Dopamine Secret. The Dopamine, dopamine Secret. And it talks about when we always crave these highs, yes, let's say through whatever it takes, some people do hardcore sports, others take drugs or blah, 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 no, like anything, anything. So you be good, high. Uh, you do this and then the dopamine baseline, which is your regular state, but your regular level of dopamine in the body when you don't do anything, so that's a drag. Yeah. That to me <laughs> says it's worth to go a little bit like that instead of like that. You mm -hmm. know, a little, a little smooth and appreciate the small stuff. Like um, instead of having these super hypes all the time, because they come with a cost. It's the higher the high, the deeper the low. Mm. And that's a, that's uh, now today's science. So, yeah, like I'm saying, um, balance, to me, balance is so essential. But if you, if you try to get balance by, let's say, like a scientific cookbook, you do this and this and this and this and this and this, and this you know, people do oh, this type of fasting, that type of breathing, and oh, it's kind of crazy what one can do right in order to be well that can't be it that's insane all these things i mean you don't need to do anything else but just to maintain this balance these drops those vitamins and wow um so balance to me is more about um 
say light and dark, right? Let's start with light and dark. Right. You need a certain amount of light to be in the day, and you need a certain amount of dark to be totally recharging the system. It, it, it takes a little bit of everything, and it, it, I prefer to promote the idea of feeling inside yourself than running behind some concepts that some guru tells you. Right. And I, and I agree with that, too. Like, in, in some ways, I kind of look at life as my teacher rather than an individual. My experiences. And in observing, being an observer of my own life, my own reactions, in the areas where I want to level out those highs and lows. The observing is certainly um, the fun part. But sometimes, I must say, sometimes I feel, or let's say, uh, when you're the observer, you're less attached to to those feelings and, and so on, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, things become more balanced, and they can become more boring. So, uh, I so I realize, for me, I realize when it becomes too smooth, then I need some spice in the soup. Right. I'm still the actor, or let's say my body, mind, and and emotional system is still uh, the puppet that's playing in this game. Mm -hmm. Without that, right? right? And any movie would be would be uh, unbearable if there would nothing happen that is somehow touching and moving. Mm. That's how I see it. You know, you say like, like looking at a movie where there's nothing happening. Sometimes I look at life now with all this, you know, where things are happening. And I'm like, my, my first question is, how is this happening even to begin with? Like, like what is this that I'm like, you know, like just like, like, why am I alive? Like, how did I get here? Like, what's it for? Oh, that's, that's a big question. I, I think ever since I was a child, I asked that question, why? What's the meaning of all this? What sense does this make? Uh, yeah. that, that those thoughts can drive you nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, I really, uh, I really feel um, to be enjoyed. And you can only enjoy something, let's say, uh, Coming back to the duality thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's this and there's that. Only if there is this, there's that. Otherwise, we have no, no. There's nothing to choose from. If it was all white. Right. So, so you but, think? But what, oh, go ahead. What helps me is um, to realize that I do have a choice. And to make things playfully, which I do. Not always. I haven't done 
this always, but uh, in, in the last years, I really allow myself to be more playful, uh, to do things whether they make sense or not, just for the sake of got a gut feeling. I, I'm just gonna do it. What the heck? It doesn't have nothing. It doesn't everything doesn't have to be meaningful and uh, judged as important or this or that. Sometimes it's just about the experience. For me, the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I live in a beautiful place in on an island in the Mediterranean, and I can see the ocean, the sea, the Mediterranean, and every day it's different. It's. See, I've been living here with. I mean, uh, I have this place since eighteen years now, and there's hardly any day where I don't. Look at the same spot, and it looks different every day. Every every single day, it's different. And uh, and every day, I mean, I have been traveling a lot. I spent a, a year here, two years there, and then I come back here and so on. But uh, my 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 outlook here is always the same. And I take pictures and I take little videos from the same thing, and it is different every day. And also the feeling is different. What's in my mind is different. Everything is different every day. And uh, that to me is already a little miracle. You know? And I'm, I, I love to discover those little miracles every day. Mm. And synchronicities and things. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a beautiful way of looking at things. Um, you know, sometimes I even, like, as like, far as like, I have trouble sometimes too, like if I'm not wrapped up in some type of thing and taking it too seriously, I go to the other extreme and I don't take anything seriously. Mm. Yeah, that uh, again we have to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, finding that yeah. balance is hard. Yeah, we we do need we do need a variety. And we gotta figure out our balance, but balance is not a stable thing. Balance changes with time, with age, with circumstances, with priorities. Everything changes all the time, so the balance changes as well. Otherwise, it would be a stiff, like yeah, no. Hmm. And uh, to me, uh, I used to run a publishing company the first ten years of my business life. Let's say. And I did the typical thing, make good money, travel, buy a house, have children, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, in the year 2000, I, uh, I was burnt out, I divorced. And after that, I had a Clark level 4 out of 5 black skin cancer diagnosis. And the doctor said, next week might be too late. And that was the most devastating situation ever because I realized, wow, I might die now. And I also realized, shit, I don't even give a shit if I'm gone. Yes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I realized dying is not an option. I have two children because my father, when I was a kid, six years old, my father committed suicide. So for me, dying was not an option, and I had it very clear. You cannot die. 
that was very clear. <laughs> like it was like an, an, a statement, a, a clear statement, and there was that was it. I had this very clear. I uh, anyway, and um, so that real bad scenario became my best lesson ever in so many ways. For instance, I realized I didn't appreciate my life. It was all, it felt all like a struggle, mm. you know, that kind of thing, which I had never realized. I kept myself so busy so I wouldn't have to feel the pain. Yeah. And, uh, and everything after that is kind of a, a, a extra, a top on. <laughs> and I still have sometimes these thoughts of, this is exhausting. Now this, now that, and this and that, and uh, the injustice in the world, and 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 war, and oh, it's, it's kind of a never-ending story. It's getting worse, and uh, I do have these moments still. But then uh, I realize um, I still have choices. I can still play, mm -hmm. which I do. I'm I'm um, working as well as a model and. <laughs> It just happened kind of thing, like a senior model and uh, and actress as well sometimes when somebody mm -hmm. asks me. And the whole thing started, this is one thing, for instance, that I never thought I would do because I was like a business brain, you know. Right. I had studied economic, uh, say, business administration and I, I ran a business and, and the strange stuff is, was not on my list. And then it, it just happened. I remember... Again, it started with a very, very um, horrible situation. My stepson had passed away. It was a drug accident. Oh, sorry. And he died. He was only 27. And my kids, who were 15 and 17, they found him dead in the bed on a vacation. And it, it was, uh, I was for one year, I was about to get totally crazy. I just couldn't look into anybody's eyes anymore. I had totally lost faith in life and, you know, uh, a very devastating situation. But after uh, this long period of going through phases, I started becoming braver and more curious than ever. You know? What else can happen? Worst case, you're gonna die. And you die anyway. Mm -hmm. That became my... And, and, and my mantra became play and enjoy. By the way, that was also what I heard in uh, Ayahuasca, coming back to the book Headless Chicken. <laughs> um, when when my daughter called me to, 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 and, and said like a robot she said mommy Philip is dead that's when I felt like a headless chicken and that's how this book got its title less head um, but after that after recovering from this one more time uh just unacceptable situation. It's just not acceptable. No, you see, it's a no, no. That's impossible. That's not okay. That's not okay. How can this be? And um, after struggling for a year, 
um, I decided I'm just gonna follow my gut feeling now and stop thinking too much of what is worth what and, and why and all this stuff. And, and, and I went a bit wild in terms of, I just uh, had a feeling to go to the States again. I had lived in the States before. I went to the States and uh, uh, things happened. Many, many things happened. One of them was uh, I had been modeling because somebody asked me uh, and I did, it, it was when I, after divorce, right? Mm -hmm. and I moved with my children to Mallorca because I felt it in the heart and they wanted to do that too and their father was okay too. So coming here, I didn't know if I would find clients and, and all this. Everything was a big question mark, but I did because I had just survived cancer. Then you can be brave, no? <laughs> so I came here and somebody asked if I would mind to take a picture to, for, uh, in, in, the, in the, you know, modeling thing. And I said, sure, you take a picture, not a problem. If they take a picture next week, they call me and I had my first modeling gig and I thought, oh my God, what did you do? Uh, 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 well, it doesn't make any sense. And, but, but I just um, went along and I had so much fun. And there were so many beautiful human interactions. It wasn't about the modeling, it was about the, the, the teamwork and the human interaction. And uh, another thing... And one day when my, my, my stepson passed and 10 years later, I was sitting in the plane thinking, I don't even want to do anything. I have no more wishes, no nothing. And then I thought, huh, acting would be interesting, but it's a bit insane. People get crazy when they become actors or so. But if anybody would ask me if I would play a role and it wouldn't be too complicated, I wouldn't say no. That was my conversation. And then in America, week three in America, somebody calls me saying, I have a role for you. You don't have to come to the casting. You just have to say yes and be there. So I said yes. So it can be different too. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like uh, if you allow it. The you can't force allow it. Problem. <laughs> you can't work hard on allowing either. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you find that the, the 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 less you try to get results from life, the better things turn out when you just let it happen? <sighs> That's a nice thing you're you're saying there, because uh, recently I'm experimenting with music. It just happened. Yes. I just. I'm receiving song lyrics over and over again. I just actually published one song. It's about ego programs and stuff. Um, and in that sense, in the music, uh, I, I must say, when, when I try too hard, it doesn't work. I, I really stop the flow. However, uh, however, it's good to reserve a sacred space which is dedicated to, let's say, emptiness, for instance, or for music to evolve. I don't know if I express myself. Do you understand what I mean? Well, if you look behind me. <laughs> I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been playing music since a kid, and 
it is something that just happens, you know. And it, it is weird because people will ask me, like, well, well, how do you do that? It's like, I don't know. It just happens. Like, how do you write a song? It just happens. I don't know. Where, it's, it's, it's like I'm not even the one that's creating it. It's just this flow of energy that's manifesting through my consciousness and into an instrument and into vibration. Yeah, I've been receiving song lyrics and I've always loved music and loved to dance, but I never ever thought that I would be singing. <laughs> <laughs> never. That was so far away from my radar. And, uh, well, uh, so, so, so these song lyrics come down, I'm writing and writing and writing in three different languages and even Bavarian accent. It just happens not all the time, but it comes butch. No? Mm -hmm. whenever it wants to come yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, and then i got this little instrument it's called sansula it's like a kalimba uh -huh. you know with a metal stick yeah and i found this little melody that works with my bavarian song <laughs> <laughs> and i was just playing along and then uh i had this uh, loads of lyrics and a lot related to related to let's say, ego programs and the coaching, what I've been experiencing since 20 years of serving in myself and other people. And it can be so frustrating that the same thing comes over and over again. You thought you're over it and then it comes in a different shape or in a different level and layer. And oh, So I've been writing about those things in a little bit of a more funny way. And then... Uh, Someday I bump into the father of some kid who used to go to school with my kid. He's a musician. He likes my text. And boom, all of a sudden we have a song. I had it in my mind, but he can do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I love the, the cooperation, the collaboration or the co-creation, whatever you want to call it. When uh, things fall into place, there's all these bits and pieces and po possibilities in the air and they fall into place. Like the sand uh, in a, what do you call this thing? Um, the mandala? Yes. Uh -huh. hmm. Why do you think that even happens? Why do you think things just fall into place like that? Do you think it's like a predetermined plan for things to fall into place? Or do you think it's something that we're creating ourselves? honest with you, I think this within ourselves or not within ourselves is the same. And I think there is uh, some kind of a force, a little bit like magnetic force, um, that always looks for the best scenario automatically, like, like a magnet, like magnets go like this or electricity flows like that. Right. Uh, so all it takes is go with the flow. Interesting. So, so yeah, it kind of just goes right back like that. Let no effort, the better the results almost is. Or yeah. sometimes too, like like I think too, like when you're not putting a lot of effort into things, is awareness. Like being aware of what path is going to take the least amount of effort, which is going to result in the best result. Uh, what you were just saying before, 
less effort, better results, I would I would not necessarily agree with it, uh, because looking at you know the harder you work, the bigger the results, the more money you make, or or, or the more songs you write or publish, uh, the more effort you're putting in concentration, the more you get out. But uh, the question is also. Um, are these results aligned with what you are here for or what you really want? We are so often following other people's dreams. Mm. That is true. It's definitely true. When we get, we're following something that other people want for us other than our own. Hmm. Um, so when you were doing it, I've saw interviewed other people who, you know, done the ayahuasca and stuff. And you also mentioned, you know, like some people have a bad experience. Some people have a good experience. I've also encountered people that have said that they have encountered demons during ayahuasca experiences or ayahuasca ceremonies. And they've had to go back and do it again and confront those demons. Did you ever have that experience? I didn't hear the last sentence. What happens if you encounter the demons? Yeah, I have had talked to people that have encountered demons during their ayahuasca ceremony. And so they've had to go back and do it again and confront those demons. Uh-huh. Have you ever had that experience? No, I, I have had, for instance... Uh, one, one time I saw like a real bad face in my belly. It was inside my belly, like a mean, like from a very mean, like cowboy movie, like a mean guy there in my belly, big inside, like scary. But for some, I just looked at the thing and okay, that's inside of me now here. And then later in the night, I went out through the jungle to my hut and there were ugly noise not ugly noises, just scary noises. It sounded like somebody was uh, walking through the bushes, right? It was scary. And then and what I made out of this or my mind or whatever or maybe myself <laughs> made out of this whole scenario was I can bring out the mean guy in any moment when it's necessary. You know, to protect me and so on. So that's how I dealt with things there. But uh, there were people. Remember one one guy. Oof. um, He had been addicted to almost anything you can think of: all kinds of drugs, alcohol, sex, porno. You name it, and. he, he had been really suffering going through uh, ceremonies and then he took a few days off to, uh, during Christmas, went into Iquitos and had a little night out, tipo, like a uh, little drink, maybe he smoked something, I don't know. But then he came back after this breaking the diet, let's say. And then it was worse than before. He was screaming day and night, like wow. really bad. So uh, people go through a lot of bad stuff there too. Or another guy, he had OCD and I think he shouldn't have participated in the first 
place. He had OCD, um, very nervous guy, French. Anyway, he, he participated in the ceremony and one night I'm lying in bed and those huts there in the jungle, they were maybe 500 yards away from each other. You couldn't see the other one, all in the jungle. Nice, round, big, open huts, only a mosquito net, first thing, mos mosquito net, beautiful. But also, so, and there were there were guards with guns uh -huh. protecting the place because there were sometimes others coming in. So uh, it wasn't that just fun and like a retreat thing. Yeah, it was like a bit real life. Anyway, the French guy, one night at four o'clock in the morning, he came to my hut talking demons and uh, and, and he, he called my name if I could come down and let him in. And I didn't have the heart to let this, this guy stand outside. Maybe it was dangerous. It could have been dangerous, which I didn't know, but uh, I, I didn't have the heart to let him stand outside. So I let him in and I listened to him. And he was totally freaking out. He was basically prescribing, uh, not prescribing, uh, describing every single thought process in his mind to, uh, to the detail. And it drove him nuts. And I noticed after an hour or so, I got to change my own strategy of being a compassionate listener because otherwise I get crazy too. Uh, and that's like a demon as well, you know, this uh, obsessiveness. Yes. Yeah. So uh, there were all kinds of different scenarios. And the most interesting thing for me was, it seemed like ayahuasca only gives that much to a person as they can bear. And if they had three weeks, it would take three weeks. And if they had two days, it would take two days to get what they can bear just now. We're very, very interesting. And today, when I'm talking uh, with uh, Francisco, the shaman, he doesn't get involved in people's stories and things. He sings his ikaros, he does the ayahuasca, he does his diet, he goes uh, by himself in the woods for three weeks to, to do his own cleansing and things. He doesn't get involved in people's stories, you know the background stories of this at all. And uh, that's so interesting how differently they work. That is interesting because he, you know, like usually like that's the first place we as Westerners start is to look backwards and see what causes things. Right. Yeah. But hmm. uh, then um, see what causes well, the thing is, he doesn't get involved in those stories. You still get involved. For instance, I had one uh, ceremony. One day he says, tonight I'm going to sing for you to heal your childhood trauma. And I thought, what's he referring to? To the, the death of my father or, or the, the sexual abuse just afterwards? But I wouldn't, I decided I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm just going to be curious and go in the ceremony, see what happens. And uh, I describe it obviously in the book as well. But uh, what happened was, um, 
everybody's lying down, it takes maybe half an hour or so, and you're journeying. And then he, he came to me, it felt like he was behind me, but he was in front of me, singing this Icarus, these strange, strange songs. No? And they, when they, whenever they start singing, it feels like somebody is blowing air in the fire, and the whole thing starts moving much more. No? And, uh, and I, out of the blue, sat up and, uh, in a lotus seat, instead of lying down, and I started crying my guts out. And I was that little girl of six years. I was that girl. I did not remember that girl. I didn't remember the situation. I was that girl. Totally devastated, broken, hopeless, no future. And uh, the situation was my father. My father had died. They told me a lie to protect me because he had committed suicide. So they told me he had a heart attack. And I could feel I'm excluded somehow. Right? right. You know, people, kids especially, feel. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and shortly after, shortly after, some guy, the guy who rent our business, he abused me right afterwards. And that was a big, touched me there. And it was a big no-no. I wasn't allowed to touch them. And in my, and, and this ceremony, I was the little girl in that moment. Like, you really messed it up. That's it. God doesn't like you for sure. But now you really messed it up on top of it. There's, there's just no hope for you. This is, you know, a, a, uh, no future, no nothing. Total devastation. And I cried and uh, cried. And he, uh, before I, I had never felt that. I had never felt that um, feeling, mm -hmm. the, the emotion. I had never felt I could remember, could remember things, uh, what has happened, the shape of the nails of the sky, but uh, the emotion I couldn't, and there I got it, oh my God. And then he just wouldn't stop singing, and I wouldn't stop crying. And at some point, I felt like there's somebody behind me, <laughs> and it, I looked behind me because it looked like there was a, a, a lotus, a seed in shape of a lotus, but out of wood, beautifully uh -huh. turned. And I looked behind uh, to see who's sitting behind me, stopped crying, and then turns out it was me. Wow. <laughs> I, it felt like um, I had healed, you know. Oh, I had cried everything out, I had to cry out. Uh -huh. hmm. And uh, it, it was a long night, yeah, and very painful, obviously. Yeah. Then, yeah, I I was kind of sitting on my own throne. I gave myself. It has. It felt like I got my dignity back, or maybe I gave it back to myself. It had to do with dignity. Yeah. That's, uh -huh. It's beautiful that you had that experience and that type of healing. Right. Because I had remembered the... Ins uh, the, the uh, I forgot. When I was a kid, I forgot. When I was 33, I did remember about the sexual abuse. Because the daughter of this man had died. 
And all of a sudden my brain remembered what has been said, what he said, what I said, what he, he did. I remembered everything, but I did not connect emotionally. That part of the past has been cut off yeah. purposefully because I couldn't cope. No? Yeah. And then you wonder why, uh, why you have these issues about whatever, worth, worthiness and things like that. No? Yeah. Hmm. So it's quite potent. I don't think you have to take ayahuasca to to do to do to do this healing work. I think there's a hundred thousand ways to heal and very natural ways as well. For, for instance, I feel today I'm still healing. Uh, recently. I am, I'm, uh, let's say, connecting with those emotions when my father uh, died. There is a difference between remembering things, it's like, and, and feeling it inside. I don't know how to explain this differently. And um, feeling that pain, it really takes going through that tunnel and feeling that pain in order to come out on the other side home. Because we, uh, uh, I had kind of disconnected the part of me. And that's um, my observation. And possibly that works for other people too. But I think there's uh, so many ways. Right. I also totally trust that um, as long as you're open and trust in the process and a little bit brave, everything happens at the right time. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And, and what you talked about too, you know, I mean, I've experienced it also where, you know, something bad happens. I go into survival mode, get through that situation, then you forget about it. And then eventually it comes back up and you have to kind of go back and, and feel it and, and, and purge that emotion. Right. And it comes again. Yeah. How exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on today. It was a pleasure having you back and talking with you. Um, before we wrap it up, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and find your book? Uh, my book is called Headless Chicken, but you have to type in my name, which is a bit complicated, Manuela Stöser. That's S-T-O-E-R-Z-E-R. -E -E Maybe the easiest is to find me this the book via my website, which is thewalkingguru.org, in one word. There's the book as well. I, I will put the link to your book and to your website in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find it and find you. Great. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on. It was a pleasure. And hang on for one second while I play the outro.